welcome to season two of the Anxiously Engaged podcast. I am your host, Rachel Curfew. But if we haven't met yet, I'm a wife, a mother, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a certified coach specializing in anxiety and helping individuals live their life even more anxiously engaged. You might be thinking, what does that mean? Being anxiously engaged is quite the opposite of being anxious. It's about stepping out of anxiety, out of your fears, and out of the shadows of your life, and moving carefully into the light where you get to really shine as you live your life filled with passion, excitement, and energy. Welcome to the show. Many of you know that I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And being a member of that church brings so much joy to me. It's also a hard church to be a member of. There are some strong expectations and standards and even things that we promise and covenant to that make our lives better in the end, but it's challenging to live up to those standards and those expectations and those covenants every day. And one of the greatest challenges I see with women in this church is that they believe that they have to be perfect and that they have to do everything perfectly and that if they do fall short or if they screw up or whatever, that then they're not good enough. That they're not good enough for themselves, they're not good enough for the church, they're not good enough for God. And all of that, even though it's nonsense, it feels really true going through it. And we've all been there and we've all felt it. I just want to share with you guys a story today that comes from the scriptures. And I may have shared this before. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure because I do share this quite often. But if you've heard it from me before, I hope you'll stay tuned and just listen again. Because one of the really cool things about the scriptures is that we can take a different lesson from the same stories or the same scriptures at different times in our lives because we're different people as we grow and as we change and as we have new life experiences we're going to apply the stories and the lessons from the scriptures in different ways so i encourage you if you have heard me share this story before to listen again with your new ears and your new eyes and your new perspectives and see if something different tugs at your heart that you can apply to your life now this story I want to share starts on page one, verse one of the Book of Mormon, where a young man by the name of Nephi is telling a story. And he starts out by saying that he was born of goodly parents. Right there, we know something about his mama. We know that she was a good woman, a good person. And we know because of Nephi's testimony of God, of the gospel plan, that his mother and his father 
taught him those things. We know she was a good mom who wanted the best for her kids. And it doesn't matter when you live on this planet or how many children you have or what kind of family you came from or whether you're married or not. We all need good parents or someone in our corner to help us be the best we can be. And if possible, we be that person for someone else. And Nephi was very blessed to have a mother who was this kind of a person. So here we have a woman who had a family, a husband and a family, and her husband um, has a very strong testimony and relationship with God. In fact, he is so strong and so connected with his relationship with God that when God says to him, uh, Lehi, which is his name, Lehi, I want you to take your wife, Sariah, and your children, Laman and Lemuel and Nephi, and your youngest, Sam, and I want you to leave your home in Jerusalem and I want you to walk out into the desert, to the wilderness, and camp out there and stay there. And then I'll, I'll give you further instructions. But I want you to leave everything you've got and just take your family and go. Well, Lehi said, okay, because he had that relationship with his God. Can you imagine being Sariah, though? this mother and wife, having your husband come to you and say, God told me we should leave everything like our friends, our family, our comforts, our, you know, they were a fairly wealthy family. So we're going to leave our gold, our riches, our home, everything. And we're going to go out into the wilderness. I don't know about you. That would be really hard for me really hard for me but this woman also had a relationship with God and she loved her husband and respected his beliefs and testimony with um with God and so she did it she packed up her stuff and her children and they left everything valuable and important to them other than just what they could take and they left and they walked out into the wilderness many days I'm going to fast forward in the story a little bit to the point where they're actually out in the wilderness. It was a difficult journey, but they get out there and Lehi gets another impression that from God that now he needs to send his sons back to Jerusalem where they had just traveled many days to get away from and that they needed to go approach Laban, who was a very wealthy um, ruler over Jerusalem, who had sacred records of their family's genealogy and scriptures. And they were engraven on some brass plates. And so God instructed Lehi to send his sons back to Jerusalem to get the plates from Laban. Now, again, Lehi follows the instructions of God and he sends his sons back. And they go 
and they have several experiences trying to get the plates back. But I'm not gonna focus on that either because what I wanna focus on is Sariah through this part of the story. You see, Sariah is a woman with a maternal clock. And as she had calculated, okay, it takes approximately this many days to get back to Jerusalem. They're gonna need time to visit with Laban, get the plates, come back through the wilderness to where we're camped. Should be about X amount of time. And when that time came and passed and her sons had not arrived back, Sariah became very human. And this is why I love her so much. In chapter five, we get Sariah's story. In verse two, she says, for she had supposed that we had perished in the wilderness. And she complained against my father, telling him that he was a visionary man and that he had led us forth from the land of our inheritance. And my sons, she said, are no more and we perish in the wilderness. She continued to complain to her, to her husband, excuse me, their father. Now, being human, being a mama with a maternal alarm clock going off because she doesn't know if her kids are safe or not, I can totally see her going to her husband and breaking down and saying, Lehi, <laughs> you totally screwed up. My sons are no more. We're out here in the wilderness. We've lost everything that was important to us. And now we are all going to just die here in the wilderness. You're, and when she called him a visionary man, she wasn't saying like you're a prophet of God that talks and walks and, you know, sees messages from God. No, she was saying, you're a crazy man. You see things. You're a visionary. You see things and you let us out here into the desert to die. I can understand her. I can see why she would be so scared and act out and even break down. A little bit later, after she complains to her husband and cries out in pain, off in a distance, her children show up. They come back. And she says, all right, hold on. Now I know with a surety that the Lord has protected my sons. And she rejoices exceedingly. And she and her husband and their family offer thanks to their God. Now, Sariah was married to a good man. When Sariah had her breakdown, he could have turned around and said, stop it, you crazy woman. You know, he could have gotten after her. He could have all kinds of things. But instead, do you know what this man did? He said, and I'm paraphrasing, these are my words. He says, you're right, lady. 
I am a visionary man. I am. And I know the goodness of God. And I know that the Lord is going to deliver my sons. And then they will come back down into the wilderness. And it says that after that, he comforted her. He comforted her. What a beautiful man. He let her vent. He let her complain. And when her anxiety alarm went off like crazy, he let her feel all those feelings and then validated her and comforted her. And then she was able to say, okay, I got scared for a minute and my sons are back now and you're right. God is good and they gave thanks. What a beautiful story of what a husband can do for a woman who's anxious and afraid. What a beautiful story of a woman being real and honest and vulnerable and allowing her story of that vulnerability to be shared. I love that Nephi, as he writes this story for us, tells us of his mother's anxiety, her panic, her fear. You see, sometimes in scriptures, we just get little pieces of the stories and they might leave out a woman's emotions, but they didn't hear. Nephi included his beautiful, strong mother's anxiety and fear and breakdown. And I just love it because Hopefully none of us are going to be asked by God to pack up our stuff, leave everything behind, and then move out into the wilderness. But we are going to be asked to do very difficult things. We are going to be asked to allow our children to do things that might make us nervous, like drive <laughs> or go away to summer camp or serve church missions or many other things. We might have children that stray or marriages that aren't perfect. We might be going through a divorce. We might have lost a baby. Whatever our challenge, our financial hardship is, whatever our emotional breakdown is, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You're having a human experience. And these moments are part of the journey. And that's why I think it's so important that Nephi shares this story of his mom. Women need to know that it's okay to get scared. It's okay to get anxious. It's okay to break down. It's okay when things aren't perfect. But if we can do exactly what Lehi and Sariah did, 
which is we start off with a strong testimony in God. It's a lot easier to get through the challenge and then recognize the blessings after and give gratitude and thanks. You see, even though Soraya's maternal anxiety alarm went off when her kids weren't home on time, Lehi was able to stand strong and grounded. He said, I am a visionary man, but God told me it's going to be okay. He didn't go into fear and panic because he stood strong in his um, testimony and faith in God. We as women are going to do both of those. Sometimes we're going to be in the breakdown moment. And sometimes we're going to be the one standing strong in our faith and helping someone else. Both of those roles are the zig and zag, the yin and the yang. We do both for different people and at different times of our lives. Now, being an anxiety coach, I love anything anxiety. And I know that sounds so strange <laughs> that I actually love to study about anxiety. But that is why I love this story so much, is that we get to see a moment where Soraya is anxious. But I also think that we get the gift of seeing what happens to Soraya a few chapters later in the Book of Mormon, when I believe she's struggling with a little bit of depression. Let me explain. If you turn your pages, I actually have a Book of Mormon in front of me, so you may actually hear me turning pages. <laughs> um, but if you go from chapter 5 now to chapter 18, we get a little more about what happens with Soraya. Their family had just gone through something very traumatic. Nephi had been bound up by his brothers, and... Um, um, Soraya, I can't imagine what it could feel like to be out in the wilderness and have her adult sons, two of them, take another son and tie him up and bound him to the point and leave him there bound up until his wrists were totally swollen and his ankles were swollen and he was in a lot of soreness, it says. And um, now here she is watching this. Now, many of you have adult children. I have some young adult children. They're in their 20s. And it's really hard because you want to parent them, but yet you want to respect them as adults. But what do you do when you're an older woman? You're now stricken in years and you have gray hair and... You're out in the wilderness and you've got two grown adult brothers initiating abuse towards another one of your kids. Physically, you can't do anything. Spiritually, you probably are praying and pleading in your heart to God to improve things. But these two sons of hers, Laman and Lemuel, the adversary has had his hand around their hearts and their hearts were hardened and they would not hear her words or her prayers or God's words. And so here she is, it says, at the end of 
chapter 18 in about verse 17 and 18. She it says that here she is. She has been stricken in years and so sick that she was brought down upon her sick bed. I don't know of anything other than depression that takes a woman to her bed and makes her sick to her heart with grief. And it says that it was because of grief and sorrow. Now, if you scroll down a little bit more, it says that she and her husband were both had gray hairs and were about to be brought down to lie low in the dust. They were getting old. They would not be on the earth much longer. They were um, preparing to die as they are now getting older and living out in the wilderness. And it talks about how this woman now had two young sons that she had born in the wilderness that were young enough that they still needed nourishment. These two kids were young enough that they needed a mama to feed them to take care of them in the wilderness. And this mama was in her bed with so much grief and sorrow that she couldn't function. Again, it's just my personal interpretation. It does not say this in the scriptures, but I believe a lot of us today would call that depressed or depression. If you have been brought down to your sick bed with grief or sorrow or any other kind of emotional pain, I just want you to know you're not the only one and you're not alone. So many women have been in experiences where anxiety, depression paralyze them keep them stuck, keep them from living their best life and showing up as a wife or a sister or a daughter or a mother or a friend in the way they want to. The good news is there is always help and there is always hope and there is always God to turn to. But when you're in those depths of despair, sometimes it's hard to see and hear God. He's there, but sometimes it's dark and it feels lonely. And that is where the adversary wants you to stay and to be. Places where it's dark with pain and suffering because that's his home, dark pain and suffering. But you see Christ made it possible to move out of the dark and into the light. And you deserve to be in the light. It is where you belong. If you feel like you've been stuck in the dark too long, I encourage you to reach out. That is where my strengths and talents come in. And I don't say that uh, in a bragging way. I have been on the journey. I have lived alone in the wilderness. 
I have felt alone. I have been in the dark. I have felt like that God forsake me and forgot me and left me there. I have also felt what it feels like to have the adversary convince me that I'm not good enough or that I can never get over anxiety or that depression will never go away. But those are the lies of the adversary. It is not true. Do not believe the lies. How do I help? I'm a little different as I work with my clients than a lot of other coaches or therapists or counselors. Because you see, I help women move very carefully and very slowly, I call it two millimeters at a time, out of the dark, into the light, slowly and safely. But the best part is, we do it together. You see, women need other women. And when we're in that dark place, we need another woman who has the light to step into the dark, to reach into the dark, and to put our hand out and say, come on, I got you. You're not going on this journey alone anymore. It's time for you to feel free. It's time for you to have peace in your heart and light in your heart and in your eyes. That is the journey I take women on. The journey is called anxiety is a gift. And if you haven't discovered how anxiety is a gift yet in your life, I invite you to take that journey. But here's the thing you might be saying, but Rachel, I don't have anxiety or I just have a little anxiety or really what I'm just uh, struggling with is low self-esteem or I'm codependent or I um, don't have any confidence or I don't know how to start and finish things or I'm not great at organizing things or I don't know how to forgive and let go or I don't know how to see or find the good, or I'm just plain tired. I've tried so many things and I'm just tired. The journey is still for you. Even though the journey is called anxiety is a gift, the gifts that come with taking the journey help with every one of those things and countless more. No more staying in your bed until you are gray-haired and getting ready to lie low in the dust. That is not your life. That is not what God intended for you. You, my friend, you, my sister in the gospel, you were meant to stand in the light, to be filled with the light, and shine. Again, reach out. If we haven't met or talked before, reach out. Let's just chat. Number one, I love friends. And women need women. We need other women to cheer us on and help us and support us. And I need that too. 
So reach out. And if we, re we chat and if you feel like that you'd like to ask about the anxiety as a gift journey, we can then talk about that too. But regardless of whether we talk or not, please find someone. Reach your hand out. Move into the light slowly and carefully. Anxiety, depression, loneliness, despair, grief. You don't have to stay in that pain and suffering anymore. Let's find the tools and the resources that you need that will help you right now. As we wrap up now, I just want to wish you an anxiety-free and a gratitude-filled day.